Go to your Bibles. Go to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 13. Matt, let's eat. There we go. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 53. We're going to start there. We've been in a series. We just started a series last uh, weekend, a message series called Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, we know it within what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, Thy Kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed when he was teaching us how to pray. That statement, Thy Kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven wasn't just a cute slogan or catchphrase. It is a way of life for anybody who calls himself a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, uh, then we are to live in the kingdom way. And so today we're going to continue in this with I believe is a, a shifting message for the house, a shifting message for you. If you will receive it, um, I'm telling you what, we're going, we're going, uh, we're going to till some ground today. Uh, in this one. So I hope you're ready for that. Matthew 13, verse 53. Uh, we have it on the screens provided for you. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. This is the part that really, really challenges me. When I see something that Jesus can't do, you need to pay attention to why he can't do it. He did not do miracles, many miracles there, because of their lack of faith. Other translations may say he could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus could not, did not do many miracles there because of something that was going on on the earth that was being perpetuated. Does that boggle that around in your mind? The healer can't heal because of something that people are doing. Wow. This second title, uh, second message rather in this series, Thy Kingdom Come, I want you to write down the title uh, of my message, Do It for the Culture. Do it for the culture. Just look at your neighbor and say, do it for the culture. Do it for the culture. Father, open our ears, open our hearts, be ready to receive. I count it an honor and a privilege to be able to preach your word, that you would even allow me to be up here doing this, God, is, I believe, just the highest honor I could ever receive from you, God. So thank you for that. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do it for the culture. You ever heard that statement? Anybody ever used that statement? Show of hands. Anybody ever tweeted it, posted it? No? Okay. Well, great. Um, the first experience, they had a lot more people that use Urban Dictionary, I guess. I don't know. Um, but when we say do it for the culture, the reason that we say do it for the culture, uh, what that means is, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for you, it is a statement requesting that someone carry out a specific action for the benefit of the shared culture. That's what do it for the culture means. It means uh, it's a statement requesting that someone carry out a specific action for the benefit of the shared culture. How many know that as a follower of Jesus and as a believer that we are kingdom 
citizens. You believe that? Okay. If we're going to talk about that kingdom come, then we have to know that we are kingdom citizens and that the kingdom must come on earth as it is in heaven. And so knowing that, we know that the kingdom of God then has a culture. And if we're going to do it for the culture, if we're going to do it for the kingdom culture, if we're going to carry out a specific action for the benefit of the shared culture, then we have to know what actions bring the heaven culture down into earth. Are you with me? And so we have to know that we have a kingdom culture. Last week I told you that the kingdom consists of a few different components, a few different parts. We know that a kingdom can't be a king unless, a kingdom can't be a kingdom unless number one you have a king. Then you have citizens in the kingdom. Uh, you have laws in the kingdom. You have an army. You have a language in a kingdom. You have an economy. And yes, you have a culture in a kingdom. Culture can be anything from uh, the way we dress. How many know dress can display the culture of something? Um, the way we speak, um, you know, music, all these things represent, different, uh, represent a culture of something. And the kingdom of God has a culture. Now, uh, you need to write this down. A culture then, a culture is created by a sustained climate. A culture is created by a sustained climate. A climate, then, is a prevailing set of conditions. A climate is a prevailing set of conditions or influence that characterizes a group, a period of time, or a geographic state. It's a climate. That's why the, the uh, middle of our country, where Kansas and Nebraska and Oklahoma, all these states in the middle, is known as Tornado Alley. Why? Because there is a climate there of high-pressure winds and all these things, flat lands that are able to produce a climate of consistent tornadoes. And so that's why we actually label that part of our country Tornado Alley. You know that the climate there is going to be something that produces tornadoes. Now, if a culture is created by a sustained climate, then... When a climate is then sustained, watch me, when a climate is sustained, it produces an atmosphere. It produces an atmosphere. An atmosphere is simply a surrounding influence or an environment. How many know we are in a world that has an atmosphere, that, has a, that is produced from a climate of things that are not of the kingdom of God, but are producing worldly ideologies and worldly systems that are contrary to what the kingdom of God is and stands for. Do you know this? That's why it says don't be transformed or conformed rather to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern. There's a climate. There's an atmosphere of our world. And so we see that with climate. We see that with atmosphere. Now, if we're going to do it for the culture, then you have to know that the foundation of the kingdom of God, I believe, the foundation of the kingdom of God is built upon honor. Honor. Honor in the Hebrew means kabod. It means heavy or weighty. So when we honor God first, because that's what my focus is today, honor, bringing honor back to God. Honoring God first, we add a weight and a heaviness to what the kingdom can do on the earth. And so there has to be a culture then that is created by the people of God that produces a climate of honor. The climate in our lives, the climate in the kingdom of God, the climate in the church should be a climate of honor. Honor to God first, honor to one another. 
Because I can't honor you if I don't know how to honor the one who made you. And so I must know how to honor. I got to know how to, 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 to honor you. Not just, not just being nice all the time, but, but being a true person of honor, doing the honorable thing. And we don't know what the honorable things are unless we don't get in our Declaration of Independence called the Bible. And so we, we know then that the people of God must produce a climate of honor. In the kingdom of God, the climate of honor, watch this, gives birth. The climate of honor gives birth to an atmosphere of miracles. A climate of honor gives birth to atmosphere of miracles. There's surrounding influence, and the kingdom of God is the miraculous. Yeah. You don't need no miracles in heaven. So what are we saying when we say that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? We're saying we want what's up there. We want, we want what's in the kingdom culture to be prevalent and be down here. So that tells me then if there is the kingdom can come to earth, then there are certain things and principles and applications that we can live out as Christians that will create a pathway. Just using some imagery here. A pathway from heaven to earth where heaven can become uh, realized on this earth through God's people. And that comes through honor. How do I know this? Because in Matthew 13, what I just read to you, Jesus went to his hometown. And he shows up in his hometown and they see the amazing wisdom he has. They recognize the wisdom and they actually say, where did he get these miraculous powers? So word has gotten around, evidently, that Jesus has, can perform miracles, that Jesus has power that is not of this world. And they are marveled at this, and they begin to ask, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son, the one that said she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, right. We know that Mary was, you know. And they, you know, they start asking, isn't his brothers amongst us? Don't we know his family? How in the world could he have this kind of wisdom and have this kind of power when we saw him grow up running around the church, little snotty-nosed kid. Had a... And what they start doing by doing that and by saying that, what they are doing, not even realizing is, they are dumbing down the value. They are dumbing down the value of Christ. So much so that he could not do Miracles, a few headaches, and maybe some sinuses got cleared up, but wasn't no dead being raised and wasn't no lame walking. Just a few things happened. Why? Because a prophet is not without honor except around familiar. I didn't say this in the first, but you might want to write this down. Familiarity is fatal. Familiarity is fatal. The quickest way to dishonor someone is to become so familiar with them, you stop treating them as the gift they are from God. That includes that boss that gets on your nerves. That includes your spouse that y'all been cussing out each other, even on the way to church. That means that you still have to honor and know how to honor the gift of someone in them. I'm going to preach today whether I get two claps or 30. I don't care. I'm going to say what God told me to say, how he told me to say it, and I'm not going to apologize for it. So let's move forward. Let's, let's move forward then. Let, then what then, what then uh, comes against honor? Because there are some enemies of honor. Write down number one. Some enemies of honor is when we undervalue the valuable. We see that I already told you in his hometown. They are undervaluing the valuable. They're looking at Jesus and they're not seeing who, who God has called him to be. They're only seeing him as the, who they remembered him as. 
I remember when. I remember used to do. I remember used to be on drugs. I remember used to fight all the time. I remember used to lie, cheat, steal, all this stuff. And they, people try to hold you in how they knew you instead of seeing what God has for you. But not in the kingdom. See, in the kingdom, redemption is a part of our package. We have a redemption plan. His name is Jesus. And so if I'm walking as Jesus in the earth, because the Bible says, as he was, so are we. As he was in this world, so are we. That tells me I have been redeemed. If he was, then I am. So I'm going to walk redeemed. I'm not going to live according to what the past says. I just look at the past as preparation for who God was calling me to be. And so I'm not going to undervalue the valuables. So we start to do this, and we start to get like the people in his hometown who start to devalue things and reduce them and, and put, put the greatness of who God is on sale like he can go on discount. He can't go on discount. God's power never goes on sale. It isn't cheap. I know the gift of grace is free, but I don't make it cheap. We think something that we get for free is cheap. No, I can tell you it is the most expensive price that has ever been paid. The reason that you're breathing here today, the reason that you're sitting upright, the reason that you have breath in your body and you have health in your bones is because God saw fit to send Jesus so that he could die in your place. And so we can't undervalue the valuable. And when we start to do this, though, because value is always determined through recognition. Value is determined through recognition. The law of recognition states that whatever I do not recognize as valuable in my life will exit my life. Married people? Okay, I know some of us have been married for a long time. Some of us are, are fresh, fresh into it. But we can begin to treat each other and take each other for granted. And if I start to, I can start to devalue my wife and and the wonderful woman that she is, and the beautiful woman that she is, and the amazing, amazing woman that she is, and just so, so wonderful, wonderful woman that she is. Um, I can start to devalue her because if I don't recognize her value, I'll treat her as common. I'll treat her like I'm just supposed to have her on my arm. No, 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 no. Thank God for his mercy and that he still answers prayers, that he saw fit to answer that prayer. Because when I don't recognize the value, eventually there's going to be an abyss, a gap that starts to come between her and I because I'm not recognizing how valuable she truly is. And I, I recognize value by telling her she's valuable, telling her that she's awesome, telling her that she's going to do great things, telling her that she's a wonderful mother. I begin to do that and express it through my words. That's why when we come in and we start to lift praise up to God, I don't know how a Christian, someone who's been following Jesus, can remain silent. That's one thing I can't, I can't process in my brain is that, that you say you have breath in your body, but the Bible says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, but, but you're mute all of a sudden. And now we got to pep people up. Now we got we to gotta prod people. Come on, lift up a shout. The Pentecostal church has weakened people's mindsets so much because we have trained you to do what you are told instead of initiating praise on your own. I ain't got to be told to shout. I come in with a shout because it's just a result of what's been happening all week. I ain't got to be pepped up. I ain't got to have the right song playing. I ain't got to have the right note playing. Throw somebody up here with a harmonica and accordion, and we'll go to shouting anyway because I don't have to be here right now. I could be dead. I could be in the hospital. I, I could be locked up. I, 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 that time I drove home drunk, I could have been killed. But thank God his mercy and his grace kept me. 
so I don't have to be told to shout. I just shout anyway. Thank you, Lord. You are wonderful. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. One thing that frustrates me, I'm telling you, a holy frustration are our Christians who look at God and the things God has done in their life and act like he ain't done nothing before. Act like he ain't set them free. And they just sit there. And they just sit there like they're just, it can't move. Like they can't lift up something out of their voice. I'm not talking about unsaved people. I'm not talking about if you're brand new and you ain't even said yes to Jesus. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people who say, yeah, I know the one who saved me, but don't find time to give him recognition. We got to value what is valuable. We got to value it, man. This ain't no stock market. The kingdom of God never loses value, but the thing that brings heaven into earth is the recognition of God's people from the earth. Jesus told some Pharisees one time, the, the religious people of the day, when his disciples were shouting, giving him praise, singing Hosanna, they said, well, tell them to shut up, be quiet. And Jesus said, wait a minute, if they, don't, if they don't cry out, I'll make some rocks who don't even have a mouth. I'll cause that, that rock to grow a mouth and start giving me praise. He didn't give you a mouth to gossip. He didn't give you a mouth to lie and all that. He didn't give you that mouth for that. He gave you a mouth for one reason and one reason only. And that's to give him glory, to give him praise. And praise him in the good times and the bad times. And, and praise him when you felt like it and didn't feel like it. Because I'm going to tell you something. He's worthy at all times. Why don't you take about 10 seconds real quick and just lift up a shout for a moment. refuse to pastor a church that treats a God like he ain't never done nothing like he's not on the throne and he's sitting high and looking low and he sees my mistakes and he sees my failures but yet he says I called you son I called you daughter you still are royalty you are kings you are priests you walk with your kingly royalty and you walk with your priestly anointing as I called you to walk with that's the kind of God we serve that's the kind of God we serve. We don't serve some lazy, lethargic type God. We serve a God who holds the universe in his hands. We serve a God where the sun and the moon still rise and still set because his word told it to. You got to value the valuable. You got to value the valuable. Sit down, sit down. See, without honor, listen to me. Listen, without honor, we lack the capacity to receive miracles. Hear me. Without honor, we lack the capacity to receive miracles. We don't have the right to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't know how to honor God properly. The people in Jesus' town didn't know how to honor him. They, had, they didn't have any capacity to receive miracles. Okay, there's another time, Luke chapter 5. Jesus was in a house teaching one day. So much so that he was teaching so good, preaching so good, the whole house was packed. 
And it says that there are Pharisees and there are teachers of the law there sitting there listening to Jesus because your haters always want to know what you talk about so they can talk about you and have something to criticize you for. And so they're sitting there, watch this, and it says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came. They're not even in the house. These men are outside the house, but they got more desperation than those in the house. Some men came. That tells me the power of the Lord was on Jesus to heal, to heal the sick. And nobody in his presence is getting healed. No one, they're hearing what he's saying. They're listening to what he's saying, but they're not tapping into his power. They're not valuing the valuable. But some men came carrying their, their crippled friend, the man who couldn't walk. And, and some men, they got up to the house and they saw that this crowd was so packed, they couldn't even get inside to where Jesus was. And so they said, you know what? We're not going to stop here because uh, we're desperate for a touch. We're, we're desperate for his presence. We're, we're desperate for what he could do, not what they can do. We're desperate for him so much so I'm going to take what I have been carrying for so long and I'm going to find a way to bring it and get it at his feet. I'm going to get it at his feet. I'm not going to complain about it on social media. I'm not going to post stuff that is degrading and dishonoring and then come to God and ask him to bless my situation. Heaven is not going to partner in a dishonoring soul. The culture of this world says it's okay to share and post videos of teenage girls beating each other up outside in their front yard while the moms look on and say, hit her, hit her. That is so ugly and so dishonoring. But we engage in it. We share it. We laugh at it. We say, oh, that's just normal. That is not normal in the kingdom of God. That is not normal for a husband to be addicted to pornography so much so that he can no longer love his wife properly. That is so dishonoring and so ugly. But then we want to come in here and say, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then we want to come in and pray for cancer to be healed. Then we want to come in here and want the lame to walk then we want to come in here and act like we want God to honor he's heaven says I am not gonna get involved with this you don't have the capacity to handle what heaven can bring that's what that's what happens and they walk up this is coming out a lot better than the first one I think um, yeah <laughs> The men carrying their friend go up on the roof because they said, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. Just because I couldn't get in one way, God, does, that don't mean there's not another way. See, some of you are facing that right now. Just side note, you thought you were going to go in one way, but God says, I got another route. I got a secret route. I got, I got a place where I'm going to enter you into that you didn't even know existed. So why don't you keep stepping, keep carrying what you're carrying, and get up on that roof and start removing the limits. Start removing the ceiling because that's what 
they did. They went in, they started tearing up the ceiling and say, we will not let a ceiling keep us from experiencing the presence of God. We will not come to God in our limited minds and put limits on him. We serve at Ephesians 3.20 exceedingly abundantly above all God. How dare we put limits on something? God said, come to me. Bring me your request. Submit them to me through prayer. Watch what I can do. And they got up, they started going to tearing ceiling tiles off. They started to remove the limitations. You need to remove the limitations off your prayer life. Stop praying just to have bills paid. Stop praying to own the business. Stop praying just so you can get by. Stop praying that your house is debt free. Stop praying, start declaring these things and walking it out. And they tore off the limit. They removed the ceiling. And he was able to come down right in front of Jesus. And the only person that tapped into the power that day was somebody who was desperate. Somebody who was so honoring and said, you know what? It's your presence that I'm seeking. It's your presence that I'm wanting. I don't know about all these other jokers out here who just came for a a, a good time and want to leave the same way. I didn't come to leave the same way. I came to be, I came to be disturbed. I I came to be woken up. I came to be transformed. I don't want to go back home as the same husband, as the same father, as the same father. I want to be trained. I want to go from glory to glory. I want to go from faith to faith. I want my prayer request to get bigger as my life continues to grow. I, w- I don't want to be praying for debt cancellation this time next year. I want to be walking in it this time next year. Ah. Something's on me. We don't value the valuable because like the Pharisees and the teachers sitting there, they had no expectation. They had no expectation and they had no recognition of power. They had, they had no expectation. We got to stop walking around church as, as, as believers who have no expectation for God to do something. No expectation. Wake up, start your day with expectation that if you woke up that there is daily bread available in that day to sustain you. And then go beyond that and say, God, I believe you're going to do something. Put somebody in my path today who needs hope. Put somebody in my path today who needs to be encouraged. I'm going to encourage myself. I know I'm in, I'm in dire straits myself. I'm fighting my own battles. But you're going to put somebody in front of me and I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to honor them. Because somebody needs to experience your feet the way I did. You ever think about that? What if you are the only (laughs) place that people can find the feet of Jesus? And they come into contact with healing? But but, But we're dishonoring and living outside of kingdom principles and God... People come into our lives and come into our pathways and come into the office and we got this jacked up attitude. And forget that we, wherever our foot goes, that's where the kingdom is. You got to value the valuable. Tell your neighbor, value the valuable. I'm almost done with my introduction. Uh, write this down, uh, enemies of honor. The second one is when the people of God become spiritually lethargic. Spiritually lethargic. 
lethargic toward the things of God. Just lethargic. And Jesus actually spoke about this in Revelation when he was talking to John when he was writing the book of Revelations. In Revelations 3, he was talking to a church, uh, the church in Sardis. And there were seven churches. And watch this. And he gave instruction to all of them, but then he, he, would, he would say a few things to them. He says, you're doing this, but I have this against you. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation. That means something is out there that says, oh, yeah, Hope Church, they're great. They're awesome. A lot of great people there. But is there really life? Is there life? Mm-hmm. Next verse. Wake up! I get you. Some of us are in spiritual comas. Something has put you out, and you haven't woken up from the hurt. You haven't woken up from the battle, and life is passing you by, and you are spiritually narcoleptic. Just... One day you're awake and good. The next day it's like, hey, we don't, we don't know who you are. I'm not saying you don't have good and bad days. But I am saying that there needs to be consistent alertness. That can only come <laughs> to putting your face right here and seeking his kingdom first. I'm not saying you're going to you know, wake up every day and feel like a million bucks and ready to take on hell with a water pistol. <laughs> some days are challenging, amen? But I, I've learned this about people of honor. People of honor are people of sacrifice. People of honor are willing to sacrifice. And... That word sacrifice, we can think of it in one way, and we do sacrifice, and many people sacrifice for the greater good of the church and the whole and all these things and all that. But, but biblical sacrifice, it looks like one thing. Um, I think about when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, and God said, go sacrifice Isaac, your firstborn. <laughs> and, uh, and so God told Abraham to go and take your son and sacrifice him on the mountain that I will show you. Well, the mountain that God showed him was a three days journey away. It wasn't just down the street somewhere where, where Abraham said to Isaac, hey, come on out the tent. We're going to go sacrifice. No, what had to happen was Abraham, first of all, to sacrifice on an altar in the Old, in the old Testament, they had to have wood so the, it could burn. So, so he has to get wood out and chop it. He's telling you the process. He has to get wood out and chop the wood. He's got to collect the wood, get the wood all good, get the wood you know, in, 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 in order. And then he's got to load up a donkey. He's got to load up a donkey with at least three days of supplies to sustain him on this journey. And mind you, it's not just him going. It's Isaac and two other guys that Abraham asked to go with him. So now there's four of them on a journey, got to load up all this stuff. And we're not, they're not even sacrificing yet. They're, getting, they're trying to go on the way to sacrifice. For some of us, we would have quit at chopping wood. This is too much. I, I just don't know if I can handle this. See, we don't realize that... that Growth in the kingdom comes from a great demand. 
that if there is not a demand being placed on you, then there must not be a deposit in you. If you go, there's always a demand. See, the reason that you might feel a demand, uh, uh, a demand of, of, man, this is, I'm facing a lot right now. The reason there might be a demand in your life is because God already deposited what you need to face the demand. How many believe in supply and demand? Supply and demand. There is a supply called the Holy Spirit that gives you rivers of living water. And so when the demands of life come, when the demands of ministry and the demands that come on us that send, try to weigh us down, we have a deposit. I don't go to the ATM looking to withdraw money. I have not deposited. So I must deposit something first. And the reason that you're facing what you're facing is because God's already deposited in you to handle the battle coming against you. So it's not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength by which you can stand and face the fight. Now, I'm not talking about those circumstances that we create ourselves. Sometimes we create things that we didn't have to plan on fighting. And so he takes Isaac, back to the story. Sorry, I'm, I'm side noting here. But he takes Isaac up to sacrifice. And what does God do? The angel of the Lord says, wait a minute. I know now that if you will give me uh, your son, that I can use you all these things. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And, and see, that's the beautiful thing. God had to use and bring his purpose to be fulfilled in Jesus through and started with a man who was willing to give up his son. And so since God found a man called Abraham who was willing to give up and sacrifice his son, God says, you wanted to give me your son? Guess what? I'm going to give you my son because you can lay him on the altar. You can lay him on the altar and say, God, he is yours. They are yours. This is yours. This ain't mine. So I'm going to sacrifice it. See, at the altar, the altar is a place where something has to die. I still believe in the altar. I still believe in holding on to the altar. It's holding on to the altar and say, God, kill whatever you need to kill in me so that your purpose may live, so that you may live through me and carry out your will through me. The Bible says in Exodus 33 and 20, when God was talking to Moses, he told Moses, no man has ever seen God and lived. No one has ever seen God and lived. That means daily I have to look at his word so I can die. Because no man has ever seen God and still been a racist. No one has ever experienced the love of God but hated someone else because of their skin color. That's ignorance. That's stupid. That's stupid. How about you are saved but you hate black people? Get out of here. You are saved but you got a problem with white people. You are saved but we can't get them Hispanics. No, that's ignorance. You've been spiritually blinded, and you've bought into the pattern of, a, of this world that is influencing people's hearts and minds. Instead of the people of God, stop being segregated on Sunday mornings and looking a lot more like it looks right now with black people sitting next to white people and all the colors coming together. we gotta, we got to stop it. Somebody's got to carry out the remnant. Somebody's got to step up and say, we will be the people of God. We will shut it down. We will put it into it. We will be intentional about bringing unity to the body of Christ. We're going to lay it out of the altar. I'm going to lay my ego. I'm going to lay my pride. I'm going to lay whatever it is about me at the altar, Lord God, so you can kill it, so that you can live in my life. 
Come on, tell your neighbor a real morbid statement real quick. Something's got to die. And what needs to die in you? Because it's sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's why we lift up a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips. It's a sacrifice. Something has to die. When you worship, no matter what you're worshiping, that means you are giving that the highest honor in your life. You can worship God or you can worship money. You can worship stuff or you can worship God. You can worship that job or you can worship God, the one that provided it for you. I'm just saying, you choose what to worship. And being people of worship is what keeps honor the main thing in our life. But we can't be spiritually lethargic. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to wake up to the fact that our teenagers are, are, are feeling even more pressure now more than ever to have sex outside of marriage, to get abortions. We got to wake up to that. We got to wake up to who they're talking to online. We got to wake up. Oh, it's just kids being kids. Kids ain't being kids no more. We got to be awake to that. The third one, the third enemy of honor is complacent Christianity. I'm telling you what keeps us from honoring God with our lives because the Bible says in Colossians 3 that do what you do as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. So everything I do, if I'm living out the Bible and the biblical principles correctly, then I am then doing and performing my job that pays me as unto the Lord. Not as unto human masters, but as unto the Lord. You should read Colossians 3, verse 18 through 25 a little bit. Read it. Do some homework. Because it actually says in, in not so many words that don't just do good when your masters are watching. Ooh. Look, the boss is coming. Everybody look like you're doing something. But then pray for a promotion. That's not kingdom. No, no, no. Do what you do as unto the Lord. I'm just talking about the workplace right now because that's where you, you spend most of your life at is in the workplace, Monday through whatever. So you might as well take some territory there while you're at it. Christians should be the most promoted group of people in the business world. Their bosses shouldn't have to worry about whether or not they're going to show up on time. Their bosses shouldn't have to worry about whether they're going to do the best work. I'm telling you what, Christians should be the ones. You might not be the best at what you do, but you're going to do the best with a spirit of excellence. This, I'm telling you what, man. This will revolutionize your whole life if you will apply this principle of honor. Honor is the kingdom. That is not the world's principle. It is God's. I'm not honoring your, your, your personality. I'm not honoring your characteristics. No, I'm honoring the gift of God in you. That's what I'm choosing to honor when I honor you. But when we are dishonoring towards one another, which Romans 12 says that we should honor each other. Honor each other. That means honor is multidirectional. I don't honor just certain facets or certain people in certain positions. I honor everyone. Why? Because they're breathing. 
So I'm honoring the gift inside someone, not the outer shell. And some of you will find that difficult because if we're to honor everybody and honor each other, then what do you do about those you've already called a devil? I would encourage you to go to read the story about David and Saul. Where Saul was trying to kill David, and David didn't touch him. Instead, he honored Saul. The one who was trying to bring harm to his life, David said, you know what? I'm not even going to do it. I'm going to stay honorable to who God is. I'm going to honor this man. See, if you read Romans, you'll understand that God has put the authorities in place and that we should honor all those that are in the governing authority. We should honor them. Whether we like the president or we don't like the president, we should still honor him and pray for him and ask for wisdom through him. That's what honoring people do. I'm not talking about the outer shell. I'm talking about the gift of God because the Bible says that God has placed them in places of authority. Civil servants. Honor our policemen and law enforcement. Honor our teachers. There's levels, that, that segments of life, honoring the family. It's all throughout the Bible. Children, obey your parents. For this is right in the Lord so that you might have long life. Parents, stop letting your kids have the CEO corner office in your house. There's got to be order. Complacent Christianity. Which one was Jesus talking about now in Revelation? Complacent Christianity. He was talking about Laodicea, this church. This church, he said, uh, he said, I wish, I know your deeds, but I wish you were hot or cold, but you're neither one. Meaning, just don't care. Don't care. So since you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. This, this is Jesus. Tender, loving Jesus. <laughs> I told you, pay attention to what, what restrains Jesus and what causes him to, to move and, and do certain things. And when he says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're, you're not hot or cold, you're just riding the fence. You want to be one way, but then do another thing. That, that doesn't get advancement in the kingdom, church. It has to be an atmosphere that's produced from a climate of honor. My whole assignment today was to preach and bring this church, this house. I can't do anything about any other churches. I got to pay careful to, attention to the herds that God's given me. But this house, hear me, is going to be a house of worship. A house that will worship first. A house that will worship with passion. A house that will go after God, no matter any kind of circumstances. A house that will grow hungry and ask God, make us even more hungry for the things of you. Because you know what that produces? It produces heaven to earth. Standing to your feet. We're going to do something I should have done in the first, but we're going to do it and God's going to bless it. If heaven, Johnny, is going to come to earth and we're going to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. 
then what is in he- what does heaven got going on? You ever, you ever read uh, read Revelations, man? Tells us all about what's happening. There's an atmosphere in heaven. There's an atmosphere in heaven of worship that is charged by honor. And Revelations 4, it gives us a depiction of some creatures that are flying around the throne of God. (laughs) The throne that you and I can approach boldly, the Bible says. There's some creatures, many-eyed cherubim, that are flying around the throne of God. And it says they cry out day and night. In fact, it says they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy. Ooh, that sounded good. Just a few of y'all. Can we all say that together? Ready? Say holy, holy, holy. One, two, three, go. Holy, holy, holy. Again. Holy, holy, holy. Again. Again. That's just a few hundred of us. That just sent that sent chills up my just by y'all saying because I'm what I'm seeing now what I'm thinking and expecting is just right here that one more time one two three go. And then heaven has every tribe, every nation, every tongue screaming that out in, in Spanish, screaming it out in Chinese, screaming it out in Japanese, screaming it out in Portuguese, screaming it out in English, screaming it out. And that's the atmosphere of heaven. And we're praying heaven come to earth. And then, that's not it, though. It says there's 24 elders that surround the throne. 24 elders that have crowns. That have crowns. And it says, when the living creatures go to singing, which is nonstop. This is the posture. It says that, go next verse. It says that the 24 elders fall down before him. And they worship him, and they lay their crowns before him. So they lay down something of theirs. They take that off and say, I'm submitting this crown to you. And since it's nonstop, look at me. The creatures are saying, holy, holy, holy. That means the elders are constantly. no coincidence that there's 24 of them. That tells me every hour of every day, I need to be walking in a heart. I'm talking about 24-hour worship. I'm talking about walking into a business meeting. You are the Lord God Almighty who meets all my needs. Walking into the gym. Thank you, Lord God, that you allow me to have a healthy body. Walking into your house. I thank you that I got a roof over this head. Thank you that I got food. I worship you, Lord God, for you have made me. You have created. I put my stuff in before your feet to tell you yet that you're worthy, to give you honor, to give you weight, to give you a heaviness, Lord God, so that when heaven comes to earth, it starts to hit strongholds like a wrecking ball of hope 
and starts to tear down things. It starts to tear down racism. It starts to tear down adultery. It starts to tear down evil. It starts to tear down murder and violence. It starts to tear down addiction in Jesus' name. Why? There's some honor being given by the people of earth that are saying, holy, holy, holy. It's your presence, Lord, that we want. We're not worried about a bigger house. We're not worried about any of that, a nicer car. We're not worried about any of that, Lord God. Because when we get you, we get favor. We get blessing. And if you have willed me to walk in it, then I will walk in it. Everything I do is blessed. My God. Here's... Here's what I'd like to do, because this is going to set up. Last week did, but I just feel like this is, we're going to continue this wave. Now, if we're going to do it for the culture, that this house has to be a house where we perpetuate honor. I don't want to see anybody that calls Hope Church your home church blasting anybody else, talking down and and degrading people. We're not going to do that. That's not honorable. No matter what gets done to us. See, when you are an honorable person at your core, you don't change because the circumstance did. You remain who you are through good and bad. That's why Jesus was asleep on the boat when the storm was raging. He was asleep, taking a nap, and the disciples woke him up. Why was he still asleep? Because he is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. This wasn't his first storm. He already knew the outcome. We're going to be people of honor. And we're going to, Monday through Saturday, we're going to take intentional time throughout our day to be alone with God, yes. But then also, we're going to walk into our schools we're going to walk into wherever we go and, and rep be a, because you're royalty. <laughs> and walk into Starbucks, not arrogantly. No. Humility is what the kingdom of God operates through. We're going to walk in knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm walking in confident. I'm going to walk in and, you know what? If the Holy Spirit leads me, see, you want to know how to hear the voice of God? Obey more frequently. It softens your heart. It makes you more alert to what he's doing. And I'm not saying every time you're going to, you know, get the sick up out of the bed. But I am saying little things that you obey starts to build up into a momentum. Can you stay with me for just a few more moments? I was in my office the other day at Starbucks and uh, was sitting there. I was getting ready for this message and just writing some notes down and you know, they got that big community table there where you can sit and other people can sit there. But there were some other people, there was three other people, four other people who were, had their laptops and they were looking for a place to sit. So they came over and asked me, they said, hey, can we sit right here? You know, if you're by yourself, can you sit at a smaller table so we can study together? I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Got up, moved. And I didn't even think about this, that, that when I moved, I was at another table. And then they stayed there for about an hour or so. You know, I stay at Starbucks so long, I come out smelling like a coffee bean. 
And uh, they got up and left. And then three women sat down, and they began to talk. And you can't help but hear, you know, because you're so close. And so I was sitting there, and she began to talk about some group that she's in on Facebook, and they're in, and some type of sewing group. I don't know. Anyways, it's not important. And she said that one of the ladies in the group shared in the group that her two-year-old little daughter was in a terrible car accident, and the doctors didn't know if she was going to make it. And it hit me because I have a little girl who's about to be three, and I'm just thinking to myself, my God. And I immediately just started in my, in my heart and said, God, thank you that I have a healthy little girl. But I just kept sitting there. I was, you know, reading over some stuff. And before I got up, I just, and they were talking about how a woman on the group came on the group and said, hey, so-and-so, we don't want to hear about your personal problems. And they started to talk about how this woman was just basically very callous. And they said, well, you can, you know, leave the group and, you know, whatever. So, but I, that wasn't what got me. I just said, you know what? I'm here for a reason, you know? If I truly believe the leading of the Holy Spirit, and if I'm going to keep in step, you know the Bible says keep in step with the Spirit? You can't keep in step with the Spirit if you don't ever exercise with the Spirit. <laughs> we do a run club every Sunday, and there's a pace that gets set, and you got to be able to run the pace, but you can't show up expecting to run a six-minute mile if you don't ever come run. So when it says keep in step with the Spirit, i got to exercise my leg, my spiritual legs, and actually be open to what the Spirit wants to do. So anyway, I didn't count that as coincidence because there is no such thing as coincidence in the kingdom of God. No Hebrew word for it. No original language that says coincidence. And so I just went over and I asked the three ladies. I said, hey, look, I was not eavesdropping. I wasn't trying to do that. But I just heard you say as a two-year-old little girl, who the doctors don't know if she's going to make it. And uh, I believe in the power of prayer. And I said that to them, and one of them lit up, boy. She said, I do too. I believe in it. And I said, well, listen, if it's okay, could I? I just, I just want to, I feel led just to pray for her. I don't, we don't know her name. I don't know her name. I just want to pray for her right now, wherever she's at. And I'm telling you what, man, we begin to pray. I begin to pray and just declare healing and declare peace to the mother and to the, the family and all these things. And, and just declare, the, you know, how good God is right there in the middle of Starbucks. I don't know. I don't know what has happened since that time. I, it was yesterday. I, I don't know. I haven't. I know my faith. What well, my faith knows. But what I, I'm telling you that because as believe, believers, we should not seek to be closet Christians. See, when we, I could have avoided that, but I don't know what that simple act of saying, "Can I." pray for you because prayer I believe prayer still moves things and the quickest way to be a complacent Christian is prayerlessness but what I'm telling you is we need more people who are going to get in this book this declaration and get it in us and know the weapons of our warfare. I could have avoided that yesterday, but what you avoid, the devil will invade. You keep avoiding, watch the devil invade it.
Watch him invade it. You keep avoiding the, the issues in the household. You keep avoiding the addiction. You keep avoiding the devil's going to keep invading it. Putting up strongholds, putting up territories, sending out. That's a whole thing. We'll get into that. But when I know my weapon, Tim, when I know it, I don't have to be afraid. In fact, I know what God says about me, so I'm not worried if somebody at Starbucks says, why are they praying? I don't, they're not my God. I serve a God who's already told me who I am. So I'm all, what I'm trying to tell you is you have power to change an atmosphere. Walk like it. Do it. You don't know what your simple act of obedience can do in the kingdom. My belief is the reason the devil runs rampant in our cities and communities and does things and all is because Christians remain silent. They have become mute. Woo. Oh Lord, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap this thing up. One of the churches I didn't tell you about in Revelation was the church in Ephesus. And Jesus told them. Return back to your first love. You, you've forsaken your first love. And I go and I read about the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and what Paul is doing and how he's declaring the kingdom of God publicly. And I read that they're taking handkerchiefs. They're taking, they're taking Paul's garments and they're taking them to sick people. Because they believe so much that the power of God is working through him that if they could just get a touch of what he's connected to. That's what's in Ephesus. Watch me. And then some other people wanted to replicate. They wanted to mimic some miracles called the sons of Sceva. And they started trying to cast out devils and heal people. And they started saying things like, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. That means they didn't have it for themselves. They didn't know him for themselves. And it says they tried to cast out a devil in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And it says that devil jumped on them and beat them up so bad, they had to leave the house naked. But right after that, it says that this seized people with great fear, godly fear. And it says that the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor in Ephesus. Revelations tells me they forgot that. They had forsaken that. <laughs> this might sound crazy, but the boldness that I feel like God's raising up in this generation is we're going to have to start praying for our clothes so that when people touch them, you come in contact with something that's attached. I know it might sound silly, it might sound wild, but that's just kind of faith we got to walk with. Here's what we're going to do. If you call this house, and please, any first-time guests, I'm not, trying, I'm not making you feel uncomfortable, but this is for, this whole series of, is about, is for this house. But if you call this place home, I want you to move now down at your seat. Because revival, listen, revival starts with repentance.